I'm not sure um, if he was expecting to be in this setup. I think it was a shock for a lot of people to sort of see that happen. Elite athletes, they either generally pull towards each other or they yeah. pull apart from each other. Yeah. Can you imagine a freight train with those three? <laughs> like three it's of the most wild riders to watch. Yeah, I, yeah. I'm so excited. Hey everyone, I'm Chris Hall and this is the Downtime Podcast, where we're going to be taking you deeper than ever into the gravity-based side of mountain biking. Today we're going to be talking downhill team moves with coach and Norco team manager Alan Milway, but before we do that, just a few quick messages. Firstly, make sure you never miss an episode by following the podcast. Simply hit the follow button in your podcast app now or find dedicated buttons for all the major platforms at downtimepodcast.com forward slash follow. You can also keep up to date with what's going on by following us on Instagram or Facebook where we're at Downtime Podcast. If you're hungry for more downtime, then join the newsletter at downtimepodcast.com forward slash newsletter for exclusive behind the scenes insights, mountain biking snippets, product reviews, partner offers and more. If you want to support the show, then you can join our Patreon over at downtimepodcast.com forward slash Patreon or grab yourself some merch from downtimepodcast.com forward slash shop. Just a quick reminder that merch is now shipping locally in both the UK and the US, which is going to make US shipping cheaper than it used to be. If you prefer to watch today's episode, you can check out the podcast on YouTube at youtube.com forward slash at downtimepodcast. All the links I've mentioned are going to be in the show notes for this episode on the website downtimepodcast.com. All right, today I'm joined by coach and newly appointed Norco team manager, Alan Milway. With years of experience coaching riders both in the gym and trackside at the World Cups, Alan boasts an unparalleled understanding of riders and their craft. We sat down last week to delve into the exciting roster changes for the 2024 downhill season. And trust me, there's plenty to discuss. Alan generously shares his insights on each move, along with some discussion of when and how to advise riders, adding variability to your bite time and much, much more. So without further ado... Here's Alan Milway. Alan Milway, welcome back to the Downtime Podcast, man. Thanks for coming over to Hlangothlan uh, for this little sit down. How's things? Really good. Yeah, it's lovely to be here. You've got a lovely house and uh, you make a damn good coffee. So what a, <laughs> a really good go. start to the day. <laughs> Thank you start. very much. Nice yeah. one. Well, um, we talked about doing this a little while ago, actually, maybe before yeah. Christmas of getting together and talking about some of the team moves and maybe giving a bit of insight into what's going on yeah. um for riders at this time of year and at that point i wasn't aware of what you were up to and you <laughs> yeah. said earlier this year you were like oh maybe we'll be able to talk about my stuff and yeah. i was like oh yeah and then like two <laughs> days later i think the announcement came out um you've been working with greg minar for a few years now on the physical side yeah but just give us a bit of insight into how you've ended up doing what you're doing this year because it's all a bit different like, how did that come about yeah it's uh quite a few things have been happening since the the season finished i guess um, yeah, as you said, I've been working with Greg for the past three, four years and uh, preparing him for racing. And then I'm sort of involved with the, the race weekend setup and I've, I've sort of been helping him from trackside. Uh -huh. And um, he, we obviously keep in touch quite a lot and he, he got in touch. I had a phone call from him. Um, it was when there was really bad floods. You remember when these awful floods? I was yeah, supposed yeah. to, I was supposed to meet charlie at the gym and neither one of us could get there because of the flooding and i'd literally pulled over into a, a petrol station um outside much wenlock and i was just stranded and then i get a phone call from greg and we're chatting away and and without going into detail things were going to change you know we sort of had this conversation that things were changing and uh, it didn't look as though he was going to stay on santa cruz and mm -hmm. uh that was when things started to we sort of had discussions and he was really interested in me coming like coming with him onto this new team setup and being very much involved with the team. Yeah. Um, and 
he used the word team manager and I was just like, oh man, I'm not a team manager. <laughs> I'm a coach and I'll, I'll do everything I can to get you the best performance on the track, but I can't book hotels and flights. And we had a bit of a laugh about that. And then the, 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 although I'm sort of term team manager for them, Kathy Sessler is the, the assistant manager. Kathy has yeah, okay. been, uh, you know, manager for Santa Cruz for a, a good number of years previously. Yeah. And um, she's looking after operations, should we say. So she's looking after that. And my role is almost like, I think in a road cycling team, you call it a director sportif. Okay. So yeah. it's, it's looking after the performance side. And then the sort of the third pillar there is Tom Duncan, who's looking after the engineering side and working with the engineers and the mechanics. Okay. So we've got these sort of three elements, but one of the key things that we've always talked about and Greg's really focused on is he wants a decision at a, at a race to be a performance-based decision. Okay. And sometimes they're not. Sometimes they, they're sort of like, they fall between two stools. So if it comes down to a decision being made, ultimately like we're going to try and make a decision based on the performance. So it's, I'm really excited by it. Um, it's been great to be involved with um, the whole operation. Yeah, uh, We've had some great meetings where the engineers are there talking about the bikes. Um, they've got a guy there who's come from Formula One from McLaren and he's really switched on. Mm -hmm. And I, I know a guy in Formula One and you you sort of understand the way they talk. You know, oh, this is amazing. And I know Greg's really in, interested in that side because Greg loves the bike development and he always wants to push the bike development. Um so yeah, it's it's early days and start to have the conversations with the other riders. And I spoke to Gracie yesterday and nice. Lucas and there's a guy, Kurt McDowell, who's one of the engineers, but also incredible Super bike rider. Fast rider, yeah. So it's yeah, sort of linking with with those guys and uh, uh -huh. yeah, happy days. I'm excited. Yeah, that's really cool. excited. So is Greg's like want for this to be performance focused decision making? Is that purely for Greg at this stage, or is this because Greg's looking at trying to create a team that performs? Is it is it more about the team now for Greg than it is about Greg? Does that make sense? Yeah, I think it's both. Okay. I think ultimately um, this year didn't go according to plan. There for was sure. a lot of problems and I yeah. think there was a lot of frustrations with that. Yeah. And when you've got a rider like Greg, he puts in everything and he expects everyone to put in everything to support that effort, That's which fair. is perfectly fair. And if something doesn't go according to plan or there's repeated problems, because yeah. the way I, I look at it and I think, anybody in performance probably would is if a mistake is made it's one of those things and you learn from it and you move on yeah but if the same thing repeatedly happens again then it's a problem and you know i don't think anyone wants to come up with the same issues you want to address them if there's a problem with something right what's the let's let's get yeah, to the what's bottom the fix yeah yeah what's the fix so yeah i know they've they've been testing they tested quite early on they, they really got things together it's been moving quite quickly yeah uh, in terms of getting the bike and getting the parts and, and getting to a position where greg's like this is what we're going to be using this is the package mm -hmm. um and this year like i've no doubt he doesn't expect anything less than you know top performances he's on the podium this year he's yeah, going to yeah. want to you know do the same again so. yeah i was going to ask about that he's 43 now is that right i think, I think he's a year younger than me i think he's 42 40, okay yeah yeah 42 be, coming yeah. on 43 but this guy knows how to train he knows yeah. how to prepare yeah. psychologically he's so kind of switched on yeah. he's so experienced do do you expect to see him back on the top because it is a lot of change right he's been on the syndicate for so long he has been a huge factor in the development of the bike for the last yeah. however many years it was kind of built around him to an extent like do you think he has the ability to get up to speed? I guess if anyone can, it's Greg, right? Yeah, it's when you look at 
any sport with an athlete of very high experience they know when they need to start pushing and they yeah. know how hard they can push and they know how long they can sustain that for and he's very savvy at doing that and i think i have no doubt he's going to be pushing on very very hard and he'll be at pace i i don't doubt that if everything else falls into place i don't see any reason why he can't be up there i, I don't think you'd ever want to bet against the guy like that you know <laughs> no. he's, he knows what he needs to do and he's when when there's too much risk involved and it's not worth the risk, then he won't take that chance. Yeah. But when the risk is worth taking, he'll do stuff and you'll always be on track and you'll see something and you'll be like, oh, that's a risky one. But for him, he doesn't consider it risk. So it's, you know, it, I, I'm excited for it and I think he'll be pushing. Yeah. And the times where he's had these really outstanding results, he's been happy. He's had people around him that he's wanted to sort of, embrace if yeah, you see what i mean he likes he likes people to see downhill in its best light yeah and whether that's family or friends when you see andorra he's got a house in andorra now and he wanted you know you could see he was like look this is what downhill is and i'm going to show you how good this is yeah and then i think it was in Lenzerheide the year before when he, he was seemed very happy there had more family there so all of these things maybe you start to get an idea on the environment that needs to be created around the rider um and we'll see. Yeah. yeah. And world champs just happens to be in Andorra, like where, like you say, Greg well, they, has a house. There you go. It's so, <laughs> yeah, it's like, there could be a fairy tale, but these things don't always work out like that. We're good. You know, we'll do our best job. And again, I think I've been around a while now and I've been in team situations and working with these high level athletes, mm -hmm. try and keep it on a level, try not to get overexcited. There's a job to be done. And as long as you do that right, that's all you can do. Yeah. No, yeah. I'm super excited for that. Yeah. It's cool to see. It's always cool to see high profile riders make big changes like that and yeah. see how that pans out because yeah. it has the potential to be very exciting. Super very exciting. New, so, yeah, yeah, really exciting. Yeah, I'm really excited for it. Nice. Okay. You're not the only coach moving into a team management sort of performance focused role. Uh, Ollie Morris, who we know from working with Laurie and working with the MS Mondraker team, yeah. is coming on board with Intense Factory Racing. And that's owned by a rider that you've worked a lot with over the years, Joe Breeden. Yeah, Joe's t he's uh, taken on that role really well. He's got himself stuck into it. Joe's really sort of business orientated. And I think he quite, when that team was coming to an end, and I think they gave him good notice. Those mm -hmm. boys knew about that quite early. I think those decisions were made um, not quite mid-season, but they got a good idea it wasn't continuing. Yeah. I think Joe had some thoughts about what he wanted to do and the next step forward. And, and he's really run with it and he's put a program together that I think is going to be really good. It's, I'm glad he's been able to keep that relationship with intense because mm -hmm. he worked so hard on that bike and uh, John Stout, his mechanic, they collaborated really well to get that bike where they wanted it. Yeah. And intense were right behind them. And it almost seemed a shame like for it to the program to just stop. Definitely. So yeah, yeah it's nice to see that carry on. And, and Ollie's a great guy. Ollie will be really good in that role as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'll often spend time up on the hill with him at a World Cup and <laughs> we'll, we'll discuss in life. The B zone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So yeah, he's a good guy. So it'll be yeah. really good. I think. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I saw John and Joe on the hill a lot last year here, putting in lap after lap, like getting yeah. that bike where they wanted it. Yeah. And it's a cool little setup as well, right? They've got some good riders there. Louise Ferguson, yeah. super exciting rider, lots of promise, yeah. incredible result. Uh, um a few of the World Cups, at the World Champs last year. Be interesting to see how she gets on in that environment, right? Yeah, exactly. I think Louise is one of these riders where 
she's a very natural rider. You sort of see she's got that flow on the bike. She looks good on the bike. And I think she's still relatively raw. Mm-hmm. So there's, you know, if that can be refined and have that set up to, to help her with that. And I think because of Joe's nature, he's very process driven and very methodical. Um, you know, I don't know Louise very well, but I think that if she enjoys that and can bolt into that, yeah. I think it will help her understand, you know, how to move that that needle of performance to, to where she wants it to go. So yeah. um, she'll be really good there. And then young Oscar Griffiths as well, like a guy I've worked with the past few years. He, you know, super talented on the bike, really motivated and driven. I was with him and his brother day before yesterday. And it's re- it's amazing to sort of see, I do a lot of stuff at university so we can assess and monitor stuff. Uh-huh. And with people that age, you know, these these juniors, I sort of like, I don't like to throw too many numbers at them. I just want to see them enjoy their training. But him and his brother are so competitive and hungry. <laughs> How do we get on? What's this? What's this? And we have, we, you know, so I can feed into that a bit more. And sometimes I'm, I like check myself, do we need to be doing this with a junior? And then I think actually, yeah, it's safe. It's valid. It helps their motivation. Well, why not? If they're into it. And they're really into it. Yeah. And, and then we sort of discuss how, their school is really supportive of what they're doing as well. So we can have the way they can train and link it with school is something that when I was at school or when you're, it just wouldn't have been Not possible. Option, yeah. yeah. So to like, for me, it was, it was football. You know, if you wanted to be a footballer, then they'd be like, yeah, great. You can practice here, there, or there. If you say, I want to be a mountain biker, they're like, oh, sorry, you've got football at this time. You know, we haven't yeah, got any flexibility. Yeah, yeah. So I think that's going to be really exciting. And Interesting. Uh, he's like, I think when Oscar realizes that all he needs to do is ride like Oscar, he'll be fine. Yeah. That a lot of the time a rider will get to the top of the hill and for whatever reason they just lose this this sort of self, this trust in themselves. Yeah. I need to do something wildly different. And I think that has caused some of the crashes that Oscar went through. But his raw speed on track is is unquestioned. So yeah, really yeah, good. good rider to watch. Yeah, for sure. And the final rider on that uh group, Rider Lawrence, we're probably more familiar with his dad. Randy Lawrence. Yeah. it's So they, they went out to California and I don't want to, they're their stories to tell. They're not my stories to tell, but the fact that like they're in, they've met Randy Lawrence and like, uh, I think David Pingree's name was brought into the mix and they met Troy Lee, like these sort of old school sort of supercross. We were chatting about supercross yeah, earlier yeah. today. Uh, they've probably got less interest because, you know, Randy Lawrence was involved with McGrath back in the day. And so that next generation, I, from the sounds of it, his, uh, Randy's son is super quick. Um, I think he suffered an injury out there. So it's sort of, okay. you know, um, put a little bit of a dampener on that progression, but they seem to get on really well with him. Nice. And uh, I'd be really interested to see how that pans out. I guess that's a really strong link. You've got um, a family that are linked with intense and so that's great from a US perspective as well. Yeah. So if, Intense is stoked. I'm sure sure Joe will be too. No, I'm excited to see yeah. that one. Another big female move, Jess Blewett from yeah. GT Factory Racing, which didn't continue this year, onto Cube. Yeah. Quite a change of like brand. We've gone from a big American brand to a big German brand. Um, Jess has had some great results in the past. Yeah. We haven't seen a huge amount of her over the last couple of seasons because she's been injured. Yeah. I think both times from Hardline, unfortunately, but incredibly talented rider. How do you think Cube's going to suit her? Because it's a very different... Well, it, from looking from outside, it seems like a different vibe to sort of GT. Yeah, it, like obviously working with Danny and being in those pits this this year, you know, or twenty twenty three. Um, I'd be interested to see how she gets on with that. They're they're very very professional setup, very clean and crisp setup. Uh-huh. But 
it needs to work with the athlete. So I'm I'm sure Jess will make the environment how she needs it to perform. And ultimately, any team wants to get the most out of their rider. So I'm sure they'll adapt to it as well. Yeah. Um, but you mentioning Hardline, yeah, she's super quick and unfortunately has suffered some injuries. And it's it's where's the focus going to be? Because I think that with this interest in increasing female participation in the more extreme side of the mm-hmm. events... That's exciting and amazing, but my worry, the first year, I think the the lads did hardline, there was quite a few injuries that came out of that. Yeah. And I'm sure there'll be this learning curve and understanding of what is possible and the differences in terms of tolerating force and landings. And, mm-hmm. you know, you want to see, you want to see girls excelling and you don't want to see them getting injured. And if we can have this nice curve trending towards improved performance and, you know, exposure and then still absolutely delivering on a World Cup track, I think, it, you know, it'd be amazing, wouldn't it? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, hopefully the lessons were learned from the guy's side of things because like you say, there's a lot less injuries, still a few, but like less injuries at yeah. Hardline than there was back yeah. in the day when everyone was kind of finding their feet with it. But yeah, that's be interesting it. to see. It will be interesting to see. And yeah. we've not seen much of Cube on the free ride side of things. Like I feel like their no. brand is more race focused than it is free ride focused. It'd be interesting to see where Jess heads with that because yeah. she's incredibly talented at both. Yeah, I, I've always found it interesting how different brands align themselves with the market that they're in. And some of these brands that we might not be as familiar with, we don't maybe realise how big they are in Europe and that, you know, their market in Europe is they've probably got a very clear demographic that they mm-hmm. focus on. So it'll be interesting to see how they expand that and, and maybe change that focus. Yeah. So, yeah, it'd be interesting to yeah, see that one good. and how that changes. Another big female move, possibly the biggest female rider move of the season is Valley Hole. We know, confirmed yeah. that she's leaving the SRAM RockShox team. It doesn't yeah. exist for this year. Um, we don't know for sure where she's going, but uh, she, was, she was featured in a vlog this week yeah. online, uh, riding a YT in YT mob kit. Yeah. So I think we can assume yeah, I think uh, that's, that that's going to happen. Yeah. Um, in a way, it's a big change, but in a way it's not, right? So they've got this uncaged approach where the riders can use whatever yeah. kit they want so i think it looks like the bike she was riding anyway was rock shocks SRAM. yeah um <clears throat> so she can stay with things that she's familiar with and also it's a team that she grew up with i mean she was on yt from super young they picked yeah. her up in the very early days and it's only a few years that she's not been with them so yeah that could be really good eh? i think she's comfortable there uh, yeah i think so and i think that some of the st- staff or at least one of the staff members might have moved across so she's got some familiarity there nice um and yeah there's a girl that i work with who happened to be riding with valley in the same place on the <laughs> same bike so yeah i think that uh, it's it's clearly going to go ahead and she's one of these girls that i think when she settles into that sort of self-confidence in terms of not the expectation often comes from other people doesn't it like yeah. when people keep telling you oh you should win this you should win that it starts to it starts to weigh down on you because again like i was saying with oscar is that example you know valley riding like valley is is, is a hard proposition for any other girl <laughs> yeah. in that in that class and yeah. that's fair to say and some of the mistakes we've seen have been quite surprising and sort of out not out of character but out of expectation because you like you ride all weekend at Leger incredibly well and then all of a sudden you know get rugby tackled by the first couple of corners it's not something that you'd expect yeah but I, I know that 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 will come for her and I don't doubt that 
Yeah. And um, once she settles into that groove, yeah, she's she's going to be a force to be reckoned with it. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be good. And what I think maybe a lot of people don't realise is that that SRAM RockShocks team was a pretty small setup. Like, mm. I don't know how much, compared to some of the bigger teams, I don't know how much support Valley had, like, in the pit and on the hill compared to maybe some of the women that she was competing against. I mean, the YT yeah, setup point. is is yeah. significantly bigger and I think maybe even bigger again this year than it yeah. was last. So I'm intrigued to see like maybe she's got a few more personnel, a bit more support staff, some help on the hill. Um, yeah, that's, that's not that she needs it. But. No, it's interesting you say that because um from I know from a few years back the the Rock Shocks truck, almost the service truck was there and then they were sort of an, an addition or an yeah. annex on the end of that. And sometimes it works really well. I think if you've got if you can imagine walking into a massive truck setup where there's a lot of support staff, a lot of money's gone into it and you walk in and all of a sudden this big spotlight's on you. It's like, hey, we're here for you. Perform. You know, yeah. Perform. That can be quite a lot to take on. I think you almost need to to build up mentally for that because what you want is you want to walk into that room and the spotlight comes down and you puff your chest out and go, yeah, I'm here. Let's, let's do this. Yeah. And I think some riders will naturally go, I'm here for the show and I want this to be around getting the best outcome mm -hmm. and others almost want to come in the side door <laughs> just get their bike and go ride it yeah and and i think as a a team structure i think it's really important that you understand the characters you're working with because if you've got someone who's quite introverted and you you know that actually the best thing is to leave them to get on with it yeah then being careful about how you approach that's important yeah and, true and managing the the media the media commitments can get quite you know quite testing i think for some of these riders for sure but we all know that the race teams are pretty much run by the marketing departments it's part of a marketing thing so we have to play that game yeah. and work with everyone here but still get the most out of the riders yeah where do you think valley sits on that spectrum do you think she's i i get the impression uh, she's quite comfortable quite outgoing but i don't really know like I, I, how easy yeah, she finds that media side i don't know i don't know yeah. i think it must be difficult if you're being asked the same questions yeah i think if you're if you get to know someone you're working with and they can make it fun and interesting, then no problem. But yeah. if you've got someone putting a microphone in your face asking the same question and you're not comfortable, yeah. you're like, oh, I've got to ask them the same thing again. Definitely. Um, and and you, you, as someone that is often pointing microphones yeah. in people's faces, you can hear those pre-written responses exactly when you ask that question yeah. they've been asked a yeah. hundred times. And you'll see that in other sports. It's really interesting when you start to, once you've been in mountain biking for a while and then you, you've worked in some other sports and you see that when a, say a footballer or whatever's interviewed they just give out like the psychologist has given them the like the bounce <laughs> yeah. back response and we're here as the team and this that and the other and you just go uh you know have that answer yeah i don't have to think about it i don't want it to sort of get into my psyche or, or actually have to think about what you just said yeah um but yeah i think she'll do really well and i, I don't doubt the bike so yeah it's gonna be uh it's gonna be i i like seeing people in different kits like the first race of the season who's that who's that yeah it takes a while doesn't it and some of them you can just see the body position straight away you're like i know exactly who that is yeah. and other people you're like you know who's this i remember getting um jack redding and greg mixed up on the first race because jack was in like o'neill kit and it was the same o'neill kit as greg <laughs> and i was like and I, they're quite tall lean guys and i was yeah. like is that and no it's not and then you sort of like realize that you know it's a different rider in different yeah kit. it's jackson and laurie that confused me like yeah yeah they're so similar in stature yeah. and like yeah and riding styles like yeah. bouncing jackrabbits down the track yeah yeah love incredible. it good stuff let's talk about another huge move and i think this one caught a lot of people out um thibaut de from comment to canyon collective 
yeah. that guy has got a lot on his plate, right? That's new bike, new suspension, new tires, like everything's different. But we've seen it done. I mean, Jordan Williams came off one setup onto a completely different setup and won his first elite race. There's no reason Thibaut can't perform, but it's going to be interesting to see how he settles in there. Yeah, I think that that move was quite a shock. And um, I think it was a shock for a lot of people to sort of see that happen for uh -huh. whatever reason that might be behind that. Yeah. Um, so he will need to settle quite quickly. I think he knows Fabian quite well. Okay. And my understanding of that setup, Fabian's heavily involved mm -hmm. and has, ha he's like, he's a good guy because he's got a clear ethos about how he likes to see things done and the approach. And I think that if Thibaut fits into that, it will be really productive because they'll work together well. Yeah. But I, th I'm not sure, um, if he was expecting to be in this setup, okay, you know, so it'll be really interesting to see how it, how it pans out. Yeah. Um, and maybe it's good for the motivation to like suddenly have like, you know, Oh, I've got this big change. I'm facing a big change, right? I've got a good, I'm moving into a good setup an yeah. established setup. He's got some fast teammates and how they're all going to vibe. And that'll be interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm intrigued by that because Troy and Luca are both podium capable, wing capable riders. Um, They've not maybe had the performance that we'd expect from them. I think both of them have like had highs and lows yeah. after over the last couple of seasons. But yeah, they're putting someone into the mix with two guys that can already take the win, another rider yeah. that can definitely take the win. It's going to kind of up the competitive spirit in the team, I guess. Give them all a bit of a push maybe. <laughs> For sure. And, and in a situation like this, the way sometimes in some teams you've got the A rider and the B rider, and there's this like predefined hierarchy. Yeah. And the B rider might look at the A rider to bring them on. And the A rider will have it, right, I'm leading the show here. He's going to learn. Here we go. But in other environments where you've got multiple riders who are essentially at the same level, they've got to make that decision about how they're going to get the most out of it for everyone's benefit. Yeah. Because you can look at it almost like a zero sum game. Like if, he wins, I lose. But I, th I've seen that in the past, and I've really tried to battle that opinion uh -huh. uh, with riders I coach to say, "Look, a rising tide raises all ships. If we can, you know, if you can help each other, and that's what you saw and you've seen so well with Andy and Charlie over the past couple of years. Yeah, they work. They're collaboratively so good together, and they they can put their ego aside. And I think that's really the crux of it is whether you can say, look." if we can learn off each other and the way that um, Annie and Charlie have discussed things, collaborated, should we try this? Should we try that? Does this work? Does that work? They vibe off each other and, yeah. and both learn. And it's only been for the, the good. I don't think you'd ever think that Charlie doing better than Andy has been a, a negative for Andy or vice versa. No, completely. And yeah. I think in going back to this example, you've got three riders that if they can work together, you know, you could have three on the podium. You yeah, could, it's another super team, right? Well, yeah. yeah, well, yeah. We, and I, from a management point of view, you can understand that Fabian will probably want to try and instill that approach to yeah. say, guys, let's all work together on this. But sometimes you can't. If you don't get on with the guy or, you, you know, you don't vibe, it might be really quite difficult. And sometimes elite athletes, they either generally pull towards each other or they yeah. pull apart from each other yeah and, totally it'd be interesting because Amory and Thibaut seem to have a really good relationship we've seen that yeah. on camera at the World yeah. Cups and in interviews and stuff and I think Troy and Luca both seem like pretty laid back like yeah. pretty chilled characters I don't know Thibaut well enough to know like how he'll fit in there but I guess that's a consideration that 
the team management will have made. And it comes down to Fabian and Gabe, I guess, to kind of manage that. And, you know, in the way that Laurent has a specialized gravity, I think done a really good job of getting everyone to work together and be comfortable and, Exactly. There's an, there's an art to that, and not all team oh, managers necessarily. It's incredible. Have that, right? Yeah, to do that, there's a that's as you can imagine. These are some of the anxieties I've got when I'm like, <laughs> right, if we need to make sure because what you don't want, I don't think any team would want this. Uh, you know, do you remember back in the day with Jorge Lorenzo and uh, Rossi, where you had the pits, and it was like, right, we've got this booth. They're yeah. not going to talk to that booth, and then you, you're trying to manage that. You, no one wants that. You want this cohesive environment, yeah, and. I don't think the examples from other sports wouldn't lend you to think that's a positive way to go about it. You'd want everyone to get on. Yeah. But at the same time, you just need to know your riders. You just need to know what what is going to get the most from them and ultimately still make them happy and contented because if they're, if they're comfortable, then I think you're going to have someone who's going to do a good job. Yeah. Yeah. And it's going to be interesting to see this battle of the super teams as well. Like, you know, syndicate, specialized, yeah. There's a few others this year that we'll talk about, but there's yeah. there's a good few teams that could lock out podiums. Literally, like yeah. it's everything's insane. getting so close. The times are getting so close, and that it's it's a time trial. It's a time trial down a hill. And what can we do to to get the fastest time possible? And that's the most exciting thing in this sport because it's not a two dimensional time trial. With with a lot of other events, it's on this sort of physiology spectrum. It's at one end or is or it's at the other, and yeah. you're working with just a couple of parameters. But I was going through some data with um, one of the sports scientists at university the other day, and we were looking at all the like the force production of different athletes and their different makeups, and we were talking about it for ages, tr- trying to get a handle on it, and then one of the lads said, well, maybe he's just a better bike rider. And we all just burst out <laughs> laughing because we're like, well, this is the crux of it. Like, yeah. this is the the crux of it. And I love it. It could, it, some of this stuff could mean nothing. Totally. But it's yeah. this big, it's this pie of all these different elements that do play a part. Yeah. And how can we get the most rounded individual really? And working out which parts to pay attention to and yeah. which parts you can kind of forget about and they'll exactly. just, I, yeah, have no impact. Strong enough, fit enough, out. don't worry about that. Yeah. Right, this is something that we've constantly seen as an issue. Race runs, they're causing yeah. problems. Right, let's have a chat about this. Let's yeah, understand yeah. this. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Super interesting. Yeah. That's why we love it, right? Because <laughs> yeah, exactly. you never know which way it's going to go. You know, you and any do. like a 43-year-old of Greg's stature can win or you know, a smaller person that's first-year elite can win, whatever it is, like... Yeah. Well, to think you could have potentially, and we might be jumping up ahead of ourselves, but like this young lad Acer on Frameworks where you've got essentially a privateer set up, brand new rider to the scene who's who's turned some heads in 2023 yeah. up against an established, you know, in, if you were to have them in another sport, they would there'd be no competition between them. They'd be po- poles apart. Yeah. But then in, in this sport, you can actually have these people fighting against each other. Make That's why... I think my job is so much fun because <laughs> in another sport someone would turn up and you do like a an assessment with them yeah and you'd be like sorry not suited to this yeah, not, not tall not enough not work. strong enough not fit enough not yeah. gonna work but and that would be really depressing yeah, like, like if f- i wanted to play basketball well they probably exactly not happen, that right and and yeah. you know uh team gb send out these uh these like talent squads and they're literally looking for right we need a girl who's over five foot eleven and got this wingspan and they just scour schools to find someone and it's like right we found you right now let's put you in a rowing boat yeah Uh, like you're not gonna well that's not my thing you know you're gonna find this diamond in the rough that way who's got the biomechanics to be a good rower and then you've got to 
can they tolerate sitting on a Concept 2 facing a wall for however many hours a week? But with a mountain biker, you've got this raw interest in the the thrill of it. And then you're trying to refine that and steer them in a direction. So yeah, it's, it's fantastic discipline, isn't it? It's a beautiful sport. Yeah. That's why we love it. Well, so Thibaut's move leaves a space in uh, comments on Muckoff. It's been filled by Dylan Maples, yeah. which is cool. So Dylan filled in last year due to a lot of the team riders being injured and not able to race. And that dream has continued for him. And he deserves it, eh? Like he's sure. an insane rider and he's he's performed. He's stepped into that, like from basically a privateer into one of the biggest teams on the circuit and looked pretty comfortable straight away. Yeah, I think everyone in the pits was excited for his opportunity and then they were happy when he was able to deliver on that opportunity yeah. sometimes people who've come from a privateer setup or a satellite team should we say and then have been like promoted up it can be like rabbit in the headlights a little bit oh man this i've got this one chance this you know one opportunity to deliver something but he seems to have stepped into it, and it's really nice to see i think he's he seems to have fitted in yeah and uh enjoying himself so yeah it's, it's great to see yeah it'd be interesting to see with a like a full off season with the team and yeah. more time to get up to speed where he gets to right end of last season the talk was intense no more on the world cup circuit which would be a massive shame right a, a brand <laughs> with a huge racing heritage yeah. we, we're old enough to remember the palmer days and yeah, all this yeah. kind of stuff and the original m1 but now it turns out we've got two intense teams, which is cool. Um, so intense factory racing with Joe that we've yeah. talked about and then MS uh, intense. So yeah. the MS moved away from Mondraker. We'll talk a bit about the Mondraker factory team later on. Um, but it's basically the same as the MS team last year without Brooke, I think. Um, so it's Eleanor Farina, David Trummer, Tutorike Penne and Jacob Dixon. All moving over to a totally different bike. It's going to be yeah. interesting because it's it's a, a very slick setup. They've got everything they need ready to go. They know how to run a race team for sure. But everyone's got new bikes and stuff to learn. I th yeah, I think this will be the interesting thing: how they get used to the bikes. Essentially, yeah. Um, it's a big setup. It's always had a really big presence in the pits. It's been really slick operation. And um, yeah, if if people haven't been to the race, it, it's an interesting it's quite different isn't it it's got these pods that bolt onto the side of a big truck it's it's quite a, an interesting unique yeah. setup there and that move to to intense i think marcus has has got quite a strong link with intense from years past yeah so i can understand them moving back together and they'll use that heritage and the guys they've got on the team and eleonora they'll it'll be interesting this change getting used to the bike the bike's a good bike from what we've seen yeah so that shouldn't be a problem and i think that there was one iteration of the mondraker that was problematic okay so it might be i think they might be quite excited to get onto this into yeah. this bike um so yeah it, let's let's see how it goes and a lot of those riders were, were injured for a lot of last season right there was some oh, a few performances here and there <laughs> that were where they'd want to be i think but a lot of them had some struggles eh? yeah poor david uh so david trump is really good mates with andy and um seeing david he he i can't remember whether it was lenzerhide he was literally limping like an old man he was like bent over and he'd really hurt his back and he ended up having to go for an operation it was really sad to see because he tried to ride through it yeah and it shows you how tough like professional athletes are he could it was like he was an old man walking with a walking stick you know through the pits and then i was thinking well, you can't get on a bike <laughs> and then he he was just trying to get himself i think he wanted to get through a certain block of racing okay get something out of it and then go and have an operation but it was really clear straight away that he needed to get himself sorted yeah. and he's got himself sorted and is fit and jacob someone who's who just seems to be under the radar and so quiet you know i, I don't know the lad very well he seems like a lovely guy but he's he doesn't push himself into the into the spotlight he just wants his riding to get on with it yeah and 
I quite like that in a way. It's quite nice. Cool. And it's quite nice yeah. that a team is happy with that because they they can see the influence yeah. that a rider can have just from his from his riding. Yeah, hundred percent. He had a rough one, eh? Because I think he had an injury and then he was just about healed yeah. and then he someone crashed into him yeah. in a car. Yeah, yeah. It's like, it's 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 really tough, isn't it? And it's when you I'm sure you would feel as an athlete that they only care about last weekend. <laughs> you know, they only care about what you've just done. So yeah, you're yeah. trying to sort of get a roll on things. And I'm sure he'll be he'll be keen to get his teeth stuck into this new bike. And, yeah, almost you know, a fresh start. Yeah, exactly that. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, Mondraker Factory Racing. It's a big statement for a team to take on a factory racing yeah. program. They've opened an HQ in the US. There's rumors that the team is pretty big budget. Yeah. Um, and it's, again, sort of super team lineup, like all podium yeah, capable, wing capable it? riders. Two of which you work with, Ronan Dunn and Dakota Norton, and yeah. then Ryan Pinkerton moving up uh, into his first year elite. That's a wild setup. Yeah, I think I'm really excited by that. It's like Ronan had been in discussions with them for a while last year, and I think he was super excited to just get to stuck into it. Yeah, and um, Dakota, like he's so flamboyant on the bike, and I think he'll really enjoy it as well. I don't know Ryan very well at all, but they they went for a test out in Spain, and they they seem to really enjoy getting on with the bike okay. and again they've got um they've got some pre-season racing they want to do to get i think to get used to the bike and ronan's gone down to new zealand like a lot of the guys have yeah and i do wonder whether this year especially there's a lot of people who've gone to the southern hemisphere and with these changes of bikes you know whenever when it all boils down it's what's my bike time be like have i got used to this new bike yeah. what, how does it react and taking us back many years when i was with the Athertons and we were on gt yeah we were trying like a zero degree stem it was like a zero reach mm -hmm. like a zero reach stem and i remember they did some testing and it all seemed fine but then when we got to the first race in south africa it just didn't work when it was at race pace it was just like it was awful and it really that was a really interesting i'm sort of thinking back to those times and understanding look you need to be riding these bikes quickly on tough tracks on relevant tracks to yeah. what's going to be raced to iron out these kinks because a bike that rides well in, in one situation might not ride well in another so i i really like that fact and i think they've got they made a load of adaptations the bike seems really good now it seems like they've done a lot you know yeah tinkering with it and um i think that'd be a good vibe it, it sounds like they all got on really well, well that's good on the team camp. yeah on the yeah, team yeah. camp it sounds like they all got on really well and they yeah. sort of vibed off each other and, and I, i'm excited for it i really can you imagine a freight train with those three <laughs> like three it's of the most good to wild riders to watch yeah, I, yeah. i'm so excited because you know i just want them to stick like stick ron at the front and hound him and just watch how mental it all gets it's going to be really exciting it's going to be interesting and they like I, yeah. I don't know about the other two but i know dakota likes puzzle i feel like he's learned so much in the last couple of years about bike setup that he's yeah. in a good position to get like up to speed on a bike quite quickly he's been on a lot of different bikes he's in the last really, three or yeah. four seasons and he's he, with that intense he's really i remember chatting to him in leger and the, the detail that he'd been going into to get yeah. set up was was impressive oh, it's brilliant he, and he's the same with his training i was on the phone to him last night and it it's exactly that he's very methodical has a good think about it has a reason i can't do this so i'm going to do that he's they've had snow so he drove like 10 hours to go ride moto just so he could actually you know he wanted to have a a positive week and yeah. he'll, he'll he'll put the effort into doing that and i really like that and, and we were discussing the why we were doing certain things and we had he was like worried i haven't done a lot of this because of the he had he's had some illness uh -huh. and it's all of these things that i really love the discussion because 
a rider always wants to feel as though it's a perfect scenario. But the nature of mountain biking, unfortunately, is that things can get in the way. You've got to make a trip here. You've got to travel there. You might get ill. And a rider also gets injured. So all of these things are part of it. But when you've got a rider like Dakota, who's very thoughtful about his approach and he's always looking to keep inching forward, yeah, you're going to have something that's going to be exciting to to witness really yeah bring it i can't wait for the first race <laughs> it's too far away uh, do, you, do you think fort williams a good place to have that first race i don't know mate to be honest it's a bit of a brutal way to kick off the season isn't mm. it i can't like i don't know i don't think it's the best track to watch on tv personally yeah because yeah the top shot is always from quite a distance you don't yeah. really see what's going on the wood section's pretty short. You do see it, but there's not really that much no. there. And then the motorways, the motorway's not very exciting, although it often tends yeah. to kind of have a bearing on the results. So I don't know. Yeah, I'd I, say Lenzerheide's not the most exciting, but I think it, it's relatively good to watch at least. I'm not sure what William yeah, is. The thing with Lenzerheide was, what was really frustrating was that the, the best bit of Lenzerheide just wasn't shown. No, that off camera at the top, especially when it was And there was so fresh. much going on and yeah. it was super exciting. And that's where you can imagine new bike, new rider, line choice, things could really shake up. Yeah. But a track like Fort William is sort of, it's a died in the wall track. We know where we're going. We know what's happening. And I, I don't mean that to be critical. I think it's just the way it is. Yeah. And it'll be, I also think from a bike setup point of view, like Fort William has its, I would say unique challenges, but they're very specific for, yeah, for yeah. that track and getting yeah. a bike that works. So maybe it will affect how people want to practice pre-season to, you know, to have that really high average speed sort of track and um, rough, rocky brutal yeah how's the bike holding up how hard can i push for this amount of time yeah it's, i mean it'll be interesting and it'll be good racing no doubt yeah um, the racing so i think that's the th- that's where what concerned me a few years back when things were getting super bike parky was the argument was well the racing's good hmm. i was like yeah the racing's always good yeah. but let's we can go we can make it even better by giving us everyone a bit of bit more option and you know that natural element that personally i love i love to see something develop through the week yeah and to see a rider like in leger we'd start on say line a that's the line and then oh actually this line b is looking way better now and then oh actually line <laughs> c and and then come race day an hour before race run you know what guys line a is looking as though it's really developed nicely now <laughs> line c's gone and all of this i think is part of the puzzle I'm re- i really yeah, like that yeah. but when you come to a section and you're standing there going well there's one way to ride this and you've just got to be perfect yeah it's a slightly different challenge do you think the changes they made to fort william for champs were good because they sort of smoothed things out a bit and like built up some of the turns and yeah i think it was good yeah um because it was f- the boys enjoyed riding it and the girls enjoyed riding it and that to me is is a really important part of the track the yeah. worst thing is when someone comes down the track and they're like you know it's rough or it's not very fun or it's janky or yeah. there's the, the vibe isn't good if the vibe's good and the riders are in, excited by it i think that's your starting point and then they start to get creative and at, at world champs what i found most interesting about that track was they'd made these changes and then the wood section was where it was all new. Yeah. But once we got that figured out and certainly with Charlie, we sort of felt, you know what, the times that's not going to be where the differences are. And when we looked at the splits, maybe it's further up here. And, and I think that approach was really interesting and it's going to be good going back there Mm. because 
people would have seen that and they would have seen where Charlie took the time out of them and they'll understand, right, we need to make these changes. Yeah, so again, yeah. it's how people, the, the strategy will come into it again. Yeah. Yeah. Always interesting. All right, let's cover off Scott Factory Racing. That's yeah. an exciting team. Kind of getting up there in the super team leagues almost, I would say. Yeah. So Ethan Craig, Gonzalo Bandiera yeah. joining the squad and they've got um, Dylan Leves who yeah. I think is underrated and for sure has a lot of potential for some good results. And Marin Cabrillo, obviously, who we know is win capable yeah. and we're likely to see more of that over the season. That's going to be an interesting squad that I think like it's the strongest Scott team they've had for a while, I would say. Yeah, I think it, I think it is. Yeah. I think they've, they've pushed. And again, the riders they've got on there are exciting, hungry riders who sort of come up Yeah, um, to see that would be really good. Marine obviously has been a staple and like, very consistent and she's had her injury woes that she sort of recovered from really successfully yeah and um i i don't know if the bike's staying the same or the bike's changing because again that would be quite interesting yeah like true how those are they going to make any adaptations that frame's been there for a couple of years yeah is it refining something or is it making big changes uh yeah it, it, it's a good prof- very professional set it's really well run so yeah I'm, I'm keen to see how everyone slots into that and uh you know really excels on that bike yeah and again i don't know if that for ethan as an example i don't know if that's much of a step up from like how much support he has around him like on the hill that side of stuff because they had cam cole up on the hill yeah. for them with gt i don't know quite how the yeah, gt think, setup the scott setup I works think flow will be pie will probably be doing stuff ah, with nice. them okay and he's super switched on guy yeah. he's a great guy yeah um the trackside support is a, is a fascinating one it's something that we we always debate what's too much information what's not enough information you know is the rider on the right line mm-hmm. quick enough to 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 not waste time yeah, yeah but then at the same time are they open to making a making a change because historically there are some sections that need to be adapted and you need to move around mm-hmm. as per the track breaking down yeah but sometimes you can play too much and a world cup race is maybe not the time to be doing that is to, you know, it seems as though you do need to make these progressive steps through each day. And if the, you know, I've talked a number of times with Greg about when he'd had problems with the bike or he'd had limited practice time, he'd had to make too much of a step up. Like the time, the chunks of time he needed to find Uh just became too big. So by race run, that race run was a good semi run. Yeah, yeah. And you're like, oh man, that was the good semi run. Now, and he he was like, yeah, there's one more to come. I needed that one more. And so that timing and that approach to the weekend and stepping up bit by bit, I think becomes more and more important. Yeah, shows how important uptime is on the bikes, right? Like keeping air in the tires and yeah. mechanically sound is. Well, key, and the logistics right? of uplifts, like Lords, uh, was a nightmare, and you'd yeah. have to you'd have to have the mechanic waiting at the bottom of the the funicular like in the queue yeah. in the queue and if you had a puncture halfway down it took you ages to get down and, and that was stressful and it's it's this sort of logistical side at leger the queue's massive you know there was debate should we just section the top bit so we can you know dial that in and then yeah. jump in from the lake and then the organization weren't very happy with that and all of these things become sort of the unseen stuff that management support staff are fretting over because of what you're saying. They yeah, want yeah. time on the bike, time on the track and make the most of it. Yeah. It's interesting to see. Like, I think teams take very different approaches. Like the syndicate, I think are pretty full on with it. Like they've yeah. got PE and um, 
Gazzy B on track. Yeah, yeah. They've all the riders are like on WhatsApp in the lift, yeah. like, can you check this? Can yeah, you look yeah. at that? Getting info and I guess those riders are comfortable and able to adapt. Maybe other riders don't feel so comfortable like making a change every run this or is, like this is it, isn't it? And again, it's getting to know your rider because it's um I can name a number of instances where I've been asked to look at a certain section of track and I'd filmed every rider through that track for probably 40 minutes, not sent any of the information and gone, you're fine. That's you're on the right line. And I just sent them there, the footage of them riding a section. That's perfect. Yeah. Because I just felt, you know what, what's the point in sending them three different line options that weren't really working. Someone looking messier. I timed it. I'd seen that their time was as quick, if not quicker. And I felt as though that sort of bandwidth that the riders, you know, the line choice on one tiny bit of the track versus the other four minutes versus the bike setup versus the tire choice versus the, how many spaces I've got under my stem. All of these things are going on. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's refining the feedback so that it's, it's the most important information when required gets fed back. And then if you want to break something down afterwards to go look, why did you say that you can yeah. lay it all out here's the side by side here's the timing here's why i've made that call but then you need to build the trust because some people just say say send me all the footage i want to see it all i want to make the decision and you're like if that's what you want that's what i do yeah do how many of those conversations happen then like that post event analysis of how did the process go this week not necessarily how did my run go but like did I have too much information? Was I playing around here too much? Did you do what I wanted on the hill? Like, are those things happening? Yeah, and does oh, it vary sure. like rider to rider? Yeah, I, I'll, I'll often um, want that feedback to understand what went well, what okay. didn't go well, what needs to change. And sometimes it will be on me. Sometimes it helps me push a rider in a certain direction. Like I won't name the rider. Yeah, of course. But there was a section on a certain piece of track where there was, I think, three options. And the rider was taking one option. He was really comfortable on that. But in the, the timing, and I'd spent a long time up there, I was like, you need to move because it's 0.8 of a second in this section that's yeah. being lost on that line. And they were like, no, but I'm more comfortable here. This is where I want to be. And I was like, well, do you want to try the other one? And they tried it and didn't really like it. But maybe I thought maybe they should persevere a bit, but yeah. they went back to what they were doing. And then... In the race run, you know, we've got all those sectors, that sector, 0.8 slower. <laughs> and it was like, oh, and it, it's not a case of going, I told you so, because, hey, it's, I might have had no impact on that whatsoever. But if you've analyzed something, assessed something and gone, you know what, I do think you need to try this based yeah. on all the evidence available and it's not done, all you're trying to do is say, were you comfortable with that outcome? Yeah. Or in hindsight, maybe should you have tried this other line. Mm -hmm. And so that's all you're trying to do. And a lot of the time you need some evidence. These, these athletes want evidence. They're, of course. you know, yeah, they yeah. want to know why we're we doing this. Yeah. And if you can give them a good reason and they, they agree with it. Yeah. They'll, they'll follow it to the letter. Yeah. Yeah. But if you're, if you're a little bit woolly and you go, oh, I think that's a bit faster or he looked really good. I don't think they ever want to, you know, do they want that? I, I don't know. I, I that's almost like an ego stroking thing. And, yeah. and there's a time and a place for that. You're looking really fast. Just do what you're doing. But sometimes if you've seen that someone has been creative and they've moved on something that's faster, we're talking about this time trial again, yeah. aren't we? Like, it's, it's faster. Do you, do you find riders in the majority kind of know what they need and how they need to 
be treated and work with you or do you find that sometimes you have to try and convince them of what they need does that make yeah sense? it does make so, sense yeah uh, well i'd say 99.9 percent .9 of the time you're just on the outside giving them what they're asking for really because they're so in tune with themselves they know yeah. full well i guess they wouldn't be there they wouldn't be there right? if they didn't yeah the only problem is if you're in your blinkered state at a race which you obviously are mm -hmm. it's sometimes quite hard to see something that's just outside of this field of vision and i sometimes feel that from a coaching point of view all you're there to do is just trying to pull that blinker out like two degrees <laughs> yeah. have you seen that yeah i've seen that i don't want it and you're like okay that's fine yeah but sometimes you'll pull that blinker out and say have you seen that and they're like huh okay i, I like that and again that might that metaphor, it doesn't, I don't just mean on track. It could be recovery. It could be food. It could be get off your feet. It could be you're sat in the pits with, you know, chatting with all of these people. You don't need to be. You could be at home, like recovering. You could be getting a massage. You could be doing any, anything. Yeah. But because they've got these sort of blinkers on and they think they've almost got this preconceived idea of what should be happening. You're, I think you're there just to try and um, oversee what's happening. And be very careful when you make an input. And yeah. if you do make an input, I think you have to be quite confident that it's uh, it's worth yeah worth saying. And does your willingness to try and move the blinkers reduce throughout the week, like as you get closer to race runs, or do you, if you think it's important, yeah. will you still try and do it? Yeah, I think it depends how confident you are on. Like I remember a situation years ago where um, G, it was at Fort William with G, and there was a line that was developing. And I remember thinking, oh man, it was like at the end of practice. And I said, this is this inside canvas just come out. And I was really reluctant to say anything, but I thought, well, he might miss it. And the same in Lords with, um, I actually phoned PT after Lords a couple of years ago. It, at Lords, there was an off camber rock section quite near the bottom. Mm -hmm. And everyone was taking a certain line because of how it was. And just before race runs, this inside line developed that was just a straight shot. And I remember like thinking to myself, what do I say? And I remember asking Greg, like, what are you doing here? Are you comfortable where you're doing? And I didn't really push the the point. Yeah. And he was, no, I'm going low. This is the right one. Okay. And I didn't say anything about it. And race runs happened. And I think a couple of the French lads like stayed high and just took their time out of everyone. And I remember getting home and the next day I phoned PT and I was like, mate, should I have said anything different? And he started laughing and he said, I thought exactly the same thing. <laughs> and I'm like, well, I'm so glad that you're, th you know, I felt as that really conflicted on what to do because yeah. if there's no practice time available, it, it, what am I helping? Am I hindering? Yeah. Cause if that's in their head, like, right. Okay. And yeah. it's right at the bottom. So it's in their right head, the, the whole bottom. run. I know I've got yeah. to get this Where line that I've never ridden. Yeah, yeah. Never ridden it. And you know, when you're watching like, in the Lord's example, I didn't make an input and regretted it. Uh -huh. And in the Fort William example, uh, G said to me, like he wanted convincing. So he said, right, go back up to that section, film it, walk it, film it, and then let's have a look. And this was before e-bikes. And so I, I remember, <laughs> you know how busy Fort William is? I literally ran up the side of Fort William, ran all the way out to this section, filmed it, walked through it. It was like super meticulous to get the best perspective ran all the way back down there i did it on an ipad so i could just hand the ipad yeah he looked at the ipad and like mulled it over and said okay yeah let's do it and 
like my heart rate was as high as G's for the entire run because I thought, <laughs> and as he was approaching that line, I was like, is he going to take it? Is he going to mess it up? And he hits the line and his foot sort of unclips. And I was just holding my breath and he won the race. He literally, he won. The, and I was like, thank goodness for that. <laughs> yeah. Cause otherwise that's oh, like, it was a hell to pay. Yeah. But those are the decisions that you have to make in this environment because yeah. it's like either you sit there with your mouth shut and potentially don't maximize the performance or you sit there with your mouth shut, maximize the performance or you have an input. It's amazing that we're at, like sitting at home as a fan. We don't realize how much pressure is on everyone else in the team. We always assume it's just yeah. the rider, but all of you are there like. Well, exactly. That. That. And the mechanics as well. There, there's another situation with a rider where I, it was really odd because I was trackside. I could see that when they were landing a jump, they weren't pedaling straight away versus everyone else. So you're sort of watching everyone come down. They're getting on the pedals. And I remember thinking, hang on a second, there's something wrong with this bike because they're not getting on the pedal straight away. And when they crossed the line, they looked down and the chain was almost like, literally it was hanging on. And I've watched that footage back a million times and I can't, there's no perception of that on camera. Yeah, yeah. But can you imagine what the mechanic's feeling? Because if I saw that, the mechanic saw that. Yeah. And the mechanic was like, please don't give out now. <laughs> so all of these things where bolt checks and I keeping air in the tires, how devastating must that be? So there, there's a lot of pressure on everyone. Yeah. 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 Again, it's what part of what makes yeah. it, isn't it? All right. We've got a few more team moves. Let's talk frameworks because yeah. Nico has gone all in this year, right? He's gone from probably the coolest project in mountain biking, designing yeah. his own bike, taking it racing, already pretty cool. Yeah. But now he's decided to put a competitive race team together around For it. Sure. And he's got some exciting riders there. So Ace of Amet, first yeah. year into junior did you see him riding at snowshoe because he was forerunner for a bit right no I, I didn't okay no i didn't i've i've heard um a lot of good things and i know greg was really impressed with him and i think greg like gelled with him quite quick and was like yeah. this guy's cool I, you know he's a good rider i really like his approach um i don't know anything about him apart from his sort of reputation okay um, but that's a good sign right yeah for sure really good sign and I really like that project. I have to say, I, like I've said it to Nico when I see him at the race, I'm like, I'm stoked that you like believe in it and you're working with it. And the insight he gives, like we mentioned it earlier, I, I've only got a certain amount of bandwidth and that's reducing my interest in the sort of social media and stuff mm -hmm. and choosing what I try and engage with. Yeah. But that's one of the things I find really interesting just from a fan's point of view. Totally. And he's been quite open. Like I, I heard an interview that he's got like a $400,000 budget or something. And, yeah. and I think that's really cool to go, well, this is my budget. This is what I'm going to try and do with it. And the the bike, the bike seems to be doing a good job. And it's like, it's rider tested. Yeah. He knows what he wants. And uh, yeah, I'm excited to see how it all goes. Definitely. Yeah. He's had some fast people on it in the background as well, I think. And I don't think anyone's had complaints over how quick it is yeah. and how capable it is. So yeah, Acer seems super comfortable. And then Angel Suarez joining. I mean, Angel's yeah, that's like true. a rider that has so much potential and he's had some really good results, but he's also had a load of injury. Yeah. Like things haven't necessarily gone his way. And I think Nico maybe got a good deal because I think he's still paid by Uno for this season. They're paying out his contract. So I think that's oh, how really? Nico's been oh, able wow. to afford oh, to put him on the squad from what I hear. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, that's going to be interesting, right? To see what this bike can do. Uh, you know, I think Nico fully admits that he's not a top five rider anymore, but yeah. Angel potentially could be. So yeah. it'll be cool to see that bike at the very top. Yeah, Angel's super, super fast rider and, and like aggressively fast quickly. And I know that he has suffered, I'm trying to remember which track it was, Valdez Soul maybe, where he'd had a really bad ankle and he was trying to ride through that. Yeah. And you can only imagine like 
you know, trying to drop an ankle when it's stiff and sore is going to be really hard yeah. and, the, and the, the rough terrain there. But that Uno setup was like, it wasn't a big setup. It wasn't certainly at the level of a factory team. And I do wonder, would that factory level support help Angel more? Will mm-hmm. the frameworks level of support, will he, you know, enjoy that? And I, I think he probably will. Yeah. Um, I don't know what he's like at developing bikes or how much he, he wants the input in that. I heard he'd put a lot of input into the Commensal downhill bike. Okay. When he was on Commensal. Yeah, yeah. I, I believe he was like a big part yeah. of the testing for that. I might be wrong. That's yeah. just hearsay. But I think he's pretty handy yeah. at that sort of stuff as well. well I, like. I know that Greg jumped on. They were in Andorra. And I think Greg jumped on behind him on a run and was like, nah, I ain't keeping. <laughs> he was literally like, you can go. This is too <laughs> early. I'm not, I'm not risking life and limb to keep up with you on this. It was quite, that was last year. And I remember him like, he was just get. he just arrived or something. And yeah, yeah Angel just goes, he's just like fully pinned the entire time. Fair play. So yeah. it's going to be interesting. And Martin Whiteley, like behind the scenes as the yeah. team manager, I guess, or like, yeah sorting all of that stuff out and it's always a slick ship when martin's in charge of it and yeah he's so much it. experience like he, he's one of the guys that's had um i'd say a lot of influence in a very positive way yeah. on the professionalism of mountain biking and downhill sure. mountain biking and i think he always wants the the best for his team and the athletes and i think he wants it done quite specifically and i think that's good because everyone knows where they stand yeah so i, I th- yeah it'd be really uh it's great to have him involved in these sorts of roles, yeah. I would say. And not a new relationship for Angel or Nico, right? Yeah. Both those guys have worked with Martin for many years. So yeah, exactly they that. all know each other. It's comfortable. Yeah. Good to go. Yeah, it'd be, be interesting really to see what they've done with the setup because it was a pretty basic setup previously, but a bit more budget. I don't know if they're going to go bigger on kind of infrastructure at the races. I think they had the old uh, Sprinter van from Global Racing yeah, that they bought. So, I yeah. know. I know. I, I think the pit seemed to be seem to be going more motorsport mm-hmm. in terms of these big trucks and there's a lot of investment you know it, it's it takes a lot of investment to buy the truck yeah you need to have someone to drive it you need to manage it the carnets involved the the fueling the um what is it called the taco where yeah, you can yeah. drive for x number all of these things come into play so it's a much bigger operation but to have have that set up sometimes i look and wonder how people can compete on the same level if you're in a so in leger uh it was maybe a couple of years ago nico was next to the afferton truck so he had oh, his yeah. sprinter and his like easy ups yeah and then you've got the afferton truck and you've got the aircon and we're upstairs reviewing footage around <laughs> this nice desk away from the world just chatting over stuff and i'm thinking if it's pouring with rain or it's boiling hot and you've got a draft coming in and I know it's sort of first world problems, but if you're trying to get the most from the rider, having a big truck where you can have everything organized, it's all got a place. It it does help. It definitely does. And even, even between trucks, right? Like some people have bought old trucks that have been used for other things and maybe they're not perfect. And then you've got other teams that are like kitting out a brand new truck designing it exactly how they want it for the way they're going to yeah. use it so even within that like there's a, a variety of kind of exactly level that. i think yeah yeah there's a there's a lot going on and i've been involved with some of these conversations quite recently and it's really interesting to sort of dig into what do we think we want out of this yeah. you know is it accommodation for the mechanics is it somewhere for the riders is it a storage bin for all the parts so they're always on the truck and normally it's a combination of it's all everything of them. right and a lot of the motorsport trucks have been designed around race cars where 
it's just you have to have room for two cars so there's big spaces but if you can find an x mxgp truck or an x motorcycle racing truck then they're, they're a bit more yeah. you know to what a mountain biker would want yeah i love looking around them they're all so different it's uh oh, can you imagine yeah because it's again incredible things but yeah let's go testing in langoflin <laughs> can't no, take the truck it's not happening, is it? <laughs> it's not, yeah. can't bring the truck so all of these things sort of start to come into play and uh it's definitely going down the sort of motor motorsport route and i think from selling the sport that's quite important mm. i think trying to bring sponsors in and people who are interested to watch it yeah. who don't necessarily want to get completely muddy feet and get caught in a muddy field yeah like yeah. we love that and I think that element needs to be kept. But if you want to encourage an outside sponsor, you want to be able to say, hey, look, we're, we're promoting, you know, this uh, professional image and we can show a really slick setup here. Yeah, I wonder how long it will be before we see like the hospitality area being built within all the pits. Yeah. I guess like MS are the closest to having something yeah. like that. Like the second exactly. of the two glass cubes is more yeah. like where they have team dinner and stuff, but you could use it for hospitality. Whereas most pits at the minute are just geared up really for the functionality of what riders and mechanics yeah. and the team need. So yeah, as that develops, it'll be well. I, I think it should really, because if I go back to the days when I was working, I did a lot of work in British Championship Motocross, coaching a lot of those riders. Yeah. And that was standard. Like yeah, Honda true. would have like, you know, they'd have their hospitality pit and you walk into the truck and there'd be a whole section set aside for hospitality to welcome the sponsors. Yeah. It was very much understood that was part of part of it yeah and i think that it can be quite difficult i've seen many a situation where you've got sponsors coming into the pit as a rider starting to warm up or the mechanics just wash the bike and the mechanics standing there with a dripping bike that he wants to prep and he's got these four or five people <laughs> who are like yeah hey we're from such and such a brand and, and then the team manager's trying to obviously be polite and engage with them but he's going can you just get out of the way because we've got race to prepare for and the rider's got to go up in 30 minutes and all of these things are just a, a clash yeah but yeah. if you've got some again it needs staff you've got someone that's managing in that process then it, it works well together i think but then you need the money from the outside sponsors to fund the staff and yeah. the hospitality area it's interesting to see like this capital how quickly that will develop <laughs> yeah yeah and how long it, really it will is. take like yeah will we get the penetration like from warner brothers discovery coverage yeah. that we need to get that yeah. money in and who knows? who knows interesting it's going to yeah. change um all right we've got a few other riders to cover and at this point they're not confirmed they might be some of them maybe by the time yeah. this goes out um brent mcdonald off ms mondraker we know that um he posted a picture of a bike all oh, okay. penned out yeah. recently yeah. strong suspicions from people that he's joining forbidden um which would be cool i think like it's a bike with that high pivot like it kind of it eats yeah and brook so does brook yeah exactly yeah. like yeah, i wonder yeah, if yeah. that feels like that might be quite a good match maybe like to yeah. see what he does on a bike that will really like plow and his aggressive style would i would think would really work with but. I'd, I'd love to see brook feel like he's delivering race runs again because he's got that that raw exciting nature about him in terms of his riding and i think i probably said that a lot in this podcast but it's it's true the way he rides yeah and he's he's had some horrific injuries that he's come back from and just to see him you know after that crash in croatia like to be back up and walking and riding and back to himself again is is it's a huge win anyway yeah yeah, yeah. Um, and anything else i consider is a huge bonus for him but he he doesn't want to be turning up to races and not feeling like he's he's delivering for himself 100%. so to be in 
on a bike it's probably a new new start new you know new opportunity yeah um so yeah it'll be interesting to see how that goes because that from what i understand it's a a great bike and i think they've um that was based around there was a trail bike that then grew into a downhill bike didn't it right yeah 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 yeah. the supernaut i think it's cool but yeah hear good things so yeah that'd be cool ollie davis you were with i think yeah Um, some great results last season definitely turned a few heads um we know he's not on the union yeah we don't know where he's going for sure again all based on internet rumors um strong rumors of commensal uh schwalbe i think which is a team that we haven't seen any releases from yet um you were saying before we hopped on actually that ollie was was a strongly courted rider last year Ollie turned a lot of heads. He's he's a lovely guy. He's um his results just jumped and jumped and jumped. And he was yeah, there was a lot of buzz in the pits about where Ollie would go and what Ollie was going to do. And I think Joe Bowman at um that union team has been amazing because he wants it to be a stepping stone. And yeah. I, I love that ethos behind that team to say, look, we want to bring riders on. We want to give them support they've not had. We want to promote them. And then we want to see them go on to the next thing. Yeah. And I think Ollie was a really good personification of that. 100%. You know, and to feel as though that was, I think Joe was stoked for him. And I think Joe want, wanted to help him in that process uh-huh. to make the right decision because he tested quite a few bikes. He was seen riding a number of bikes. I know he was given a few bikes and he really enjoyed being able to ride them. Yeah. And for him, it was feeling as though he had the right environment and bike and team set up for him. Okay. I don't think he would have just gone with the with the numbers game i think yeah. he would have felt as though it was what was right for him because he's quite a quiet lad i think he just wants to ride his bike like we were talking before i don't think that he at the moment anyway want to walk through the the awning and then have that big spotlight on him and you know people just rush around him i think uh-huh. he wants to feel like he can just crack on and often that's the best way yeah excited to see yeah. where he ends up and excited to see how he gets on for the season yeah he's no been testing be his new bike he's been testing a lot and been playing with quite a lot and he's excited i know he's got a trip to europe coming up soon with the team that he's joining uh-huh. and that'll be really cool to see how he gels with them and they want to work with him they there's been some really good communication so that's exciting promising stuff yeah um another rider you know very well you've worked with on and off for many years danny hart Feels yeah. like he's kind of been one of the riders that's taken the brunt of the troubles that the industry's facing at the moment um, and left as far as everyone knows without a ride. Um, doesn't look like he's having a bad time out in New Zealand though and he <laughs> seems to be swinging his leg over a nuke proof from what we can see. Yeah. Um, have you had much chat with Danny? Do we know yeah. much about that? Yeah. Uh, I speak to Danny most days, to be honest. We we, we communicate quite a lot. He's down in New Zealand. Um, he had that, uh, there was like a locals race down there in Queenstown that he won just the other day and I think he was quite excited to put in a, he felt as though I think he delivered pretty well on that track. Um, it's obviously really early days and he's obviously on a nuke proof. Mm-hmm. But I think using Danny as the example, it shows that there's this sort of huge split in the industry. You've got some teams that have come in and they've they found a money tree somewhere yeah, and like they've Mondrake, shaken right? it pretty hard yeah. and, and that's amazing. But there's other teams, we're cutting back, we're cutting down, we're reducing, we're, streamlining and those were the i'd say the the big impression during the second half of the year yeah. was budgets are going to be tightened belts are going to be tightened right we're going to be a bit more limited and then you hear of these big team launches and you're like wow this is amazing we've got you know they're really investing some of these companies and, and that's brilliant for the sport yeah it's ace and they want to put you know norco really want to make the best team bike setup everything yeah and then you've got the flip side 
where Danny has sort of been left high and dry from you yeah. know a big part of it. I think he's there's some good stuff in the works for him. Uh-huh. I, I don't think it's shaken out properly. I don't okay. think it's clear cut. Um, he'll be you know the first to say when it is all settled and he's happy yeah. and he's got it all sorted. But the the main thing is for someone like him, and I've been really impressed with it is he's understanding what he can control and what he can't control. And when the stuff he can control, just you've got to get on with it. You've got to train. Like he's training really hard. And I think he feels as though he needs to do that so that when he turns up, wherever he is in the pits and whatever bike he's on and whatever kit he's wearing, he's ready to do the job. And I think it'll be lovely to see him succeed this year because that smile he'll have will be like a genuine like look guys i'm still here you yeah, know yeah, why come have you on. forgotten about me yeah, yeah and i do i was shocked and when you read like I, th- I think everyone was very surprised that he was in that position yeah um and yeah but it's on the flip side he he's down in new zealand with a lot of the other riders and he's riding fast and he's they've got good training down there and he'll, he'll be ready like regardless he'll be ready I'm yeah sure. sometimes these adversities like just put that bit of extra fire in the belly and uh... and he's always worked well under that hasn't he yeah he's never been somebody like i've i've seen years ago in uh it was at fort william in the pits he'd had some conflict down in the pits and uh-huh. i was thinking oh man how's he going to be able to do this and i think he came fourth behind Gwynny or second behind Gwynny or something this was years ago and i just remember being amazed how he's able to almost channel adversity or you know things that are going against him and yeah. use it in a positive way and not that you want to feel like you've got to go through you know for sure you don't want to go through that to get a nice outcome yeah. and you don't want to ride on anger but if he is back against the wall he's he's a man who'll come out you know come out strongly yeah be good yeah. to see some uh some strong results no doubt he's capable still so yeah and you yeah. see his whips the other day <laughs> yeah. oh Love Boy it. can whip, can't he? He can ride a bike, can't he? he? <laughs> they did a whip-off competition and I didn't, I, I wanted to see whether Bernard was there because I wanted to make sure that he'd beaten Bernard in the whip-off <laughs> competition, <laughs> stir it up between him because I think he's staying with Bernard at the moment. Yes, I believe so. So yeah, yeah. it'd be good. Exciting. Yeah. Nice. Um, various mumblings of Zero being involved uh, with some sort of World Cup presence. Again, no concrete news yeah. yet, but Sam Blenkinsop's name's been linked, although he was with Crestline. Don't know if that's still the case. Yeah. But, it, you know, it would be cool to see Blenky continuing to race World Cup, still one of my favourite riders to watch yeah. on a bike anywhere. Um, but also cool to see more gearbox technology at the World Cups and to see that side of things progressing because it feels like it's promising, but it seems to be so I slow, really, like getting traction. It really has been slow, hasn't it? The um, There was a junior, Hoot, I think was his surname, who was on this incredible bike last year with a gearbox and it just it looked amazing it seemed to work really well and these gearbox bike gearbox bikes i'm i'm astonished we haven't you know when you think about the honda that was a, a gearbox and very basic and worked so well yeah i don't know the reasons i guess they're commercial reasons why we haven't gone that way because maybe we won't sell enough of them and it's not a sustainable thing. But from a performance standpoint, I don't think you can argue against it. Yeah. And for a company to be so heavily involved in that side of bike development, 
will be it will be great and i'm yeah. sure it'll be a good bike from it if everything else if all the other angles work out i think that having that sort of mass centralization where it is and um unsprung weight and all the rest of that Getting business rid of a mech that yeah you can knock off and all yeah that. that's yeah. just all of this stuff it'll be it'll be great yeah yeah be i believe really nico will have one at some point this season I, really? I think he wanted to shake it down before like putting it under any of the yeah. rest of the team but yeah. like he was he definitely had a gearbox to play with so it'd be mega yeah i, I think they're this is the sort of almost if you can have the prototype that the customer doesn't always get but the customer wants to buy into the brand that's yeah. the, the gold standard that's like the the top end motorsport level if you're talking motor gp or f1 that we're not riding the same bikes as the the professionals we're riding the trickle down that comes from it yeah um but in mountain biking that's never really seemed to be the case it's almost like they want to be on the bikes that the customer will be getting asap yeah um and the gearbox might be one of those things where we just need one of the there's two big companies that begin with s if one of them makes <laughs> one then we can all get cracking and things change yeah yeah definitely and then i think the last one on my list aaron Gwynn. he was a great commentator yes i thought he did an amazing job yeah and really added to to the product that we get to watch yeah. from home maybe you you're track side more yeah. than i am but still i think he was great but I definitely love to see him back racing. I think there's still a lot of fire there and a lot of talent and we've not seen the last of him. Yeah. Rumours of Yeti, again, don't know how strong that is, but it'd be kind of cool Exciting. to see that come back around, eh? Where he started and a company that he sort of, from my understanding, moved from motocross into sort of onto a Yeti bike yeah. and had success straight away, then was incredibly dominant and then has had some issues with injuries and you know bike not being where he needed it and and now yeah it'd be nice to see him back on the yeti for sure and i think nice to see him at the sharp end in the fight you want to see these riders in in the thick of it yeah and feeling as though they've delivered what they can deliver because we know the potential for incredible performances is there yeah it doesn't doesn't fade away it's just having some of these riders, I think, need everything lined up and the body to be ready and the bike to be ready and everything to be there to allow them to to give it hell. Yeah. And maybe this is that opportunity. Yeah. He said, last time I spoke to him for the podcast, he seemed like he was definitely keen to be at some, if not all of the World Cups. Yeah. And he said if he was going to be there, he was going to be racing and not talking. Yeah. So hopefully we'll see it. But I know that injury was was quite a tricky one yeah, to it's get horrible through. Yeah, eh? from what I understand. Yeah. And, and that's the... We've said it before. It's it's part and parcel of sport, but it's pretty devastating because some injuries you can roll an ankle, and it can be two days. You can roll an ankle; it could be a critical, you know, messed up ligament, foot, yeah. bone damage, and all the rest of it. And and you never quite know. So it would be nice to see him. I think, yeah, he's too. Uh, I don't think we're ready to see him as a commentator quite yet. That's probably the right. No, way he's to very put. good at it, but I feel like he's got unfinished business. Yeah. And I'm sure he does. Like Absolutely. that world champs is still teasing him he goes yeah. well at andorra but then yeah. <laughs> so do a lot of people yeah, yeah. quite a lot of people are going to want that i think yeah, exactly. so yeah man what, a, what it's a big a shake lineup. up year yeah. i know it's been a big shake up year and and it's been interesting to see the things that have it has been that dichotomy hasn't it that if budgets are cutting we're slimming down we're tightening our belts this is going to be limited and then the flip side some big teams coming in and go well now's our chance you know let's let's really try and make the most of this opportunity and yeah. and bring a team in and, and go hard at it and i i really hope that the the coverage and the presentation 
rewards that you yeah. know it like the they are rewarded for this investment into it because i want to see mountain biking start to to reach a wider audience because it's such an exciting exciting discipline yeah and when you think i often liken it to downhill skiing really because we're in similar resorts we're a sim- it's a similar nature of the event yeah and a lot of the people that will watch downhill skiing, they've got no interest in sending themselves down the hill that quickly. They're just interested in the spectacle. Yeah. But I think the core mountain biker who would watch the free caster and the Red Bull was the guy that would still be riding downhill or trying to ride those tracks. Yeah. And if we can broaden that, you know, my one of my neighbors has really got into it and he loves it. And he's, he wants to know how the riders are doing and he's got no interest in riding a bike, but he's just involved and he's interested in, and, and he'll feed back to me on how exciting the racing was or how one of my riders did. And, and I love that because that's, that's, awesome. that's starting to show that we're getting out there a little bit, yeah. you know, and he's not doing it to placate me or to make me feel good about, you know, him being interested. It's his genuine interest in it. And that to me is like, here we go. Yeah. But, you know, let's see more people do that. Let's start to broaden it. Yeah. And, and if we can I, i've always been surprised why we haven't seen mountain bikes on tv commercials for example there's that lloyd's bank advert wasn't there yeah that, that katie um, was in uh yeah and nina cameron i think was on one wasn't uh, she yeah, the, okay. uh the black horse lloyd's bank uh-huh. thing and, like to me that's the sort of let's surely there, sh- there could be more of this because it's such a spectacle to watch it's Definitely. so exciting yeah um and that's how we started to to get these outside sponsors involved. Yeah, and they might not, those people watching might not buy a bike, but they might buy Absolutely. something from an outdoor yeah. spot, like a, another brand or a beer sponsor yeah, or exactly whatever, that. like it's and that. And it all feeds, it all feeds in. I, and this side of it, we need to work. I think it all needs to be one unit to yeah. push everything forward. The whole thing, it's all well and good having the, the pure racing to be perfect, but people need to see how good it is. It's yeah. like anything. When it's it's a product at the end of the day, yeah, isn't totally. it? It's an yeah. entertainment, and so I think having this whole thing, the performance is vital. Yeah, but these other things need to layer on top. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see how the the TV product like develops. So, yeah, you know, first year there was a lot for people to get in place, and like I don't even really know how they got it all there on the hill and ready to go. To be fair, because it was a lot of work. Yeah. So it'd be interesting to see how they level up from like year one to year two, and yeah. How, hopefully that tv product kind of develops and offers a bit more sort of behind the scenes and rider interviews and all that kind of stuff so yeah agreed yeah to help develop the storyline i think i think that's it and that's where trying to help people understand you see i think um i see the difference between us motocross and mxgp where the us motocross will be always been really good at telling the story of the rider so you sort of like i like this guy don't like that guy i want him to do well you know this beef between um jet and el hombre at the weekend like that's that's exciting for the fan because you understand their characters and you know that there's going to be a clash but in mxgp they maybe haven't been quite as good at promoting those riders okay. until more recently where you start to understand the seawas and the prados and you're like oh here you go we know these guys we want them to do well colton yeah. and whatever so if mountain biking can start to to tell that story a bit better of the different characters yeah like the human element of it yeah as opposed to because it's almost been on the rider hasn't it it's like your decision if you want to share a load of stuff on social media and tell your story then do yeah but i, I think we need to get to that next level where the, the broadcast is telling that story a bit yeah. more. yeah and it's hard to do right because the story evolves and changes over the season yeah. so it's like who do you follow and who yeah, you point yeah. a camera and a microphone at yeah. but yeah i'm sure we'll see more of it over the coming seasons 
So Timu's done, I think, pretty much. There's probably a few that we're missing, but I think that I think covers we've done a pretty the good job. There's it. been a lot. There is a lot. Isn't there? there is a lot. It's yeah. an exciting season. What about from the physical side of things? Obviously, that's like your expertise, I guess, or a big part of your yeah. expertise is that physical conditioning stuff. What are riders up to at this point in the season? Like we've said that a lot of them are in the Southern Hemisphere. I guess that's just to get consistent weather, really, so that you can... Yeah, consistent weather and consistent yeah. bike time. Um, in the UK, obviously, we're, we're limited in where we ride. And if people are wanting to get good downhill time, Different people have had different reasons for going down there, but it seems to be one of the years where a lot of people have wanted to go to the Southern Hemisphere, yeah. but still keep that nice training focus. So everyone's trying to be fit and strong and get to know this new bike. Mm -hmm. And the, the problem that you have in when you look at the calendar is if you haven't got certain things done by March, it's really hard to get them done just okay. because of the nature of um the diaries how they fill up with test camps and uh media stuff and pre-season racing and then all of a sudden you're into the season mm -hmm. and me personally i've started to be able to understand what is fit enough and what is strong enough and starting to get some benchmarks so that we know hey you're on track here okay and but then on the same token some of my conversations yesterday look that's not where it needs to be we understand why it's not there yet because of X, Y, and Z, mm -hmm. but this now needs to be a focus. And we've got the time, but I think if you're not clear on some of the the directions you need to go, you can get carried away of just going, I just need to work harder or I just need to work on this one. And again, the blinkers start to come on. Yeah. And I think part of my job is definitely to say, have you considered this? Can we just make sure this part is looked after, whether it be diet, whether it be aerobic side of it, whether it be strength and power, so that they're just a balanced individual. I'm not trying to turn anyone into a powerlifter or a Tour de France cyclist, but we, we're looking at elements from these different areas yeah. to have them really well-rounded and ultimately to be better on the bike. Because that's all it is, isn't it? Yeah, that's if, the reason why they're doing this. If it doesn't make you better on the bike, don't do it, right? Uh, yeah, they're not interested in it. So the motivation comes from that performance on the bike. Yeah, And with having a lot of people riding the downhill bike a lot now, you, you're starting to get that feedback of, oh, I feel pretty good here or I, I had a day and I'm absolutely toast or this is a problem or can we try this? So you're getting feedback earlier, I think. Yeah. And with all of them being in Queenstown, like a lot of people are riding together, I guess. So they're getting a bit of a gauge. Yeah. I don't know how many people are like sandbagging or what, but I guess people are starting to push. So everyone's starting to feel like, where's the pace this year? Exactly. Who's going well? Yeah, where do I need to? Like, I, I can only imagine, you know, Danny and... Eddie Masters and Bernard and Andy and Ronan and uh, Charlie, and I'm probably missing half a dozen of them. You know, they'll be pushing on. And sometimes it's a case of going, hang on a second, I, I was in the gym this morning, I need to call it early because someone else wasn't. Or, you know, understanding. Yeah, context. I don't need to do this. I'm, yeah. I'm okay. I'm going to have a day off here. So, but it's good the more to me the more the better as opposed to being on your own isolated away from it trying to do some stuff on your own it's quite hard to to place yourself yeah and with revs not being here that was a big part of the off season for a lot of the guys based in the uk yeah true you know dovey's sort of taken that spot but yeah. it's 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 quite limited in where we can go for these sorts of true downhill tracks in yeah the UK very true now, yeah it's a pity it is and are we at that point where we start to see the odd unfortunate injury like it feels like there's always a point in the year where you get that yeah. first like such and such has broken their collarbone in pre-season training and because the speed's up in and people are starting to find the limits and especially with new bikes right you need to know what the bike does when things go a bit yeah yeah, yeah. wrong and 
that sort of starts to f like flow into the skill acquisition side and how you're actually planning your riding uh -huh. because it's one side of the sport that I've always been interested in that the mountain, the professional athlete would essentially go off with his mates to get better on the bike. And you couldn't imagine Michael Jordan doing that or Rory McIlroy doing that or uh, like David Beckham doing that. You know, he'd be practicing something with input and they'd structure something and they'd try and work out how are we going to get better here? It's not just a case of going faster. Yeah. You know, and you see it with, um, I think, I was interested with Valentina Rossi having that ranch where they have limited time on the MotoGP bike. So the guys are riding sort of dirt track and understanding what happens when the bike moves and the speeds are a lot lower, uh -huh. but the movement of the bike is key. And then you can scale that back up, put it on a, on a asphalt track at yeah. 200 Ks an hour. And the process is still similar. Interesting. So I've, I've done, I've tried to do quite a lot of reading around that side and how you can alter different constraints to try and say, look, it's not just a case about going faster. How are you going to learn so that these things bolt one on top of each other? Yeah. And sometimes variability is some, something that maybe doesn't happen. Okay. And people go to different tracks for variability. But I think there's more variability within a track that could be done. And that isn't against the stopwatch. Yeah. And sometimes the stopwatch maybe comes out a bit early and people are like, well, let's just see how fast we can go. How do you think about introducing variability into one track then what sort of things so there's various ways you can do it one is on line choice obviously yeah. so you can you can artificially say well look try going on a suboptimal line it's suboptimal for this track but i can bet you you'll have a corner like that in another track yeah but also how you ride the track because there might be a section where you will always try and you know if we're talking about some sort of rhythm go to one or go outside here or jump up try different ways of doing it what does the bike do mm -hmm. and you don't always have to wick the speed up okay and even adding you know one of the interesting things concepts is adding like random variability within that and you can almost decide well i've got this piece of track let's try manualing this into a section let's try pumping this let's try you know bunny hopping in all of these things can add variability into how you enter a section yeah and as long as you're not putting yourself at risk in terms of crashing yeah you want something that gives you this uh this opportunity to learn and again from a skills point of view if you're if you're doing everything perfectly on run one the track maybe isn't technical enough and how are you going to make the track more you almost want to have mistakes but not mistakes at full full yeah, speed because then yeah, there's yeah. the risk yeah and that's that's a big challenge in downhill how do i make something or how do i suggest or how does a rider say well how can i make this a bit more difficult so i'm not always perfect through it but if i'm not perfect it doesn't mean i've crashed or i've hurt myself interesting so this this is definitely an element that a lot of sports this we've got so much room to grow i think in downhill from this this aspect when yeah. you look at the way other sports will introduce technique and introduce skill acquisition and development of a rider yeah it, it's they're thinking about it a lot more than you know hop on your bike go riding with your mates and do six laps and then come home it's, it's what are they doing within those laps that yeah, i think yeah. is most interesting yeah this is cool isn't it because it's a sport that's i don't know let's say 30 40 years old and it feels like we're just in the infancy of it right there's still, still so much the like surface. yeah yeah and i think we can we need to look at other sports and look outside of it and, and say will that work for us will it not and I think you can sometimes become entrenched at saying this is a mountain bike thing. Yeah. But we've all got two arms and we've all got two legs and we're all reacting to the environment around us and we're all trying to deliver force in a certain way. And physics 
is the same. If physics still acts on you and yep. me the same, you know? So uh, trying to bring some of that stuff in, but while still respecting the culture and understanding that the, the culture of someone who's very technically, if you've got a sprinter, they might be uh, a running sprinter, track and field sprinter. They might spend a whole hour doing real specific drills. Uh-huh. And that bolts nicely into the track. But if you've got a mountain bike and he's doing these specific drills on a car park or a fire road, that's not practical into, into the environment they're using it. It's almost taking it out of context. So it's trying to blend those things. You know, a track sprinter, he can do those drills on the track he's racing it on. Yeah, he, yeah. You know, he can do it on on that running track and then he'll scale it up and bolt things together. So a lot of these things churn through my mind anyway <laughs> <laughs> it's good i like it man. well before we wrap up we should talk a little bit about millway performance i'm interested how that's going so you sent me yes. so you're, you're making yeah. your own after many years in gyms yeah. deciding that the benches in gyms weren't good enough yeah you've gone out and designed your own and i've got one in the garage downstairs and it is a lovely piece of kit oh, thank so you. thank you for that it's been uh well, it's been unused for half of last year because yeah, I was pretty ill, but problems, we're yeah. back on it and it feels yeah. super good to be um, to be using it and cracking on and getting fit again. But yeah, how's that all going? Like, it's a, yeah, it's an going well. It, it's, it was one of these sorts of, I often have these ideas that come into my head that are driven and motivated by my experiences essentially. And I've been coaching in gyms like all around the world, luckily for 20 odd years. And I was seeing certain things that were, recurring themes in certain piece of equipment and and it, in the end i thought you know what i, I should have a crack at this because i think i can make quite a good good job of this yeah. based on knowing what i know and i teamed up with um a designer and we put together a design and the whole process I, i've absolutely loved and I, the first product is the fixed weights bench yeah um and they're all made in the black country everything's local you know midlands based yeah um understanding how suppliers work and you know essentially creating prototypes and small runs of things mm-hmm. and dealing with powder coaters and offering something that offers good value for money but is yeah. still really high performing well, in and not easy to do it's right? not easy to yeah, do yeah. and the problem is that a lot of people will just say oh, i'll just get the cheap one and then it'll be rickety and it'll fall apart and it's just crap and i'm trying to say well look you know you'll buy this once and it will last forever you know yeah. really hopefully but yeah that's my first product that's really good it's it's something that I'm almost looking at it to be very much like a gradual building thing that I'm not throwing. My focus is on riders winning races yeah. and this is sort of supporting that. But I've, I've been looking, I'm developing a, another product at the moment and speaking to some universities about some stuff and speaking to some designers and trying to get something that I think will be really helpful. Nice, more and gym related More stuff. gym related. Yeah. It's very much, yeah, to me, this yeah. is, it's not mountain bike specific, but because I come across the same challenges being in the gym day in, day out, and I feel as though the the fitness industry is sometimes all about just churning stuff out. Yeah. I want it to be a nicer product and something that people can have and feel as though it suits the home gym, but it's of a commercial quality. So the University of Birmingham have got one of my benches in their gym, which is cool. That's and cool. Black Country Barber and Starbridge have got one. And, you know, I sold one to a gym in Redditch not too long ago, which is nice. really exciting. And it's starting to get out there. But um, yeah, good. if you're after a, a waist bench, you know where to come. Well, good, well I've, yeah. I've used a few gyms uh, again around the world over 
you know the years and it's by far the most solid bench i've ever been so yeah well yeah, and that was definitely a big part of it it was it was trying to make it so it actually performed and you wouldn't believe the different samples i've got in the in the lockup <laughs> like trying to make something that was the right thing and the vinyl ended up being from a like high quality uh marine so that you can sweat on it and still clean it ah, and okay because a lot of them if you're going to the gym you'll see this cracked vinyl yeah it's horrible, and it, it's horrible stuff and yes it's cheap and they'll use it and then probably be on a higher lease so they just send them back and get some fresh ones but yeah. I, I don't want to go down that route and so a lot of this stuff the, the actual raw materials are uh, much much higher quality and the cost comes with that but um no I, i'm loving it it's Good. something that i i've i really enjoy it and because it's a different space in my head from the mountain bike in it in a way it's cathartic too <laughs> <laughs> nice if people want to check that out where's the website yeah millwayperformance.com yeah. for that yeah nice. everything's on there and there's a instagram page as well yeah. and you'll start to see like i'm trying to offer them different colors and what have you but the, the main thing for me is getting getting people a product that they know is going to work yeah it's not going to fall apart and you don't it's you're not putting together something out of ikea you know you're not there for an hour and a half bolting it all together no it was about a two minute job exactly yeah, i've yeah. i've done all the hard work that yeah. was a big part of it yeah I, I when my wife comes back with uh those brown cardboard boxes i'm like you can't be no, kidding me not again. three hours of my sunday evening building a unit or something <laughs> living the dream and what about if people want to follow your stuff where are they looking for that uh, I get, I guess, I guess social media, Alan at, uh, I think it's Alan Milway okay. uh, on Instagram. I'll take out all the links and yeah. stick them in the show notes. So yeah. It's nice I, I try and use it as, um, almost a bit of an online CV to give people a bit of an insight into what I'm doing. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't, yeah, I won't post workouts every day and stuff like that, but I try and give people an idea of what I do with my riders and some of the testing we're doing, some of the exercises we're doing. Yeah. And, uh, we're all about performance at, world cups and world champs and and i'm excited to work with people that that's their you know that's what they want yeah and i love supporting them in that nice one man yeah. well thank you it's been an absolute pleasure yeah, picking really your brain it. on a few bits and yeah, pieces thank you. made me even more excited for the upcoming season i, I can't wait and i still only january i know i i heard a mnemonic the other day that it was like uh 30 days half september blah blah blah, and like january has seven thousand days in it <laughs> <laughs> it feels like it. it's it been does, going on a it? while not in a let's, bad way let's but like, get out of the way let's yeah. crack on because spring's only around the corner once we're in the middle of february then we'll be we'll be cooking on gas then. yeah looking yeah. forward to it man nice i'll much. see your track side at fort william yes look forward to it wicked cheers Thank mate. You, mate see you later see ya. all right that's it for this episode with alan i really hope you've enjoyed it if you want to help support the podcast this year then the best way to do that is by visiting patreon.com forward slash downtime podcast and setting up a donation you can also support by grabbing some of our fully updated merch lineup which is now delivering locally in the us as well as the uk check it out over at downtimepodcast.com forward slash shop stay connected by following the podcast hit that button in your podcast app now or visit downtimepodcast.com forward slash follow also don't forget to follow us on instagram and facebook too where we're at downtime podcast for an extra dose of downtime, you can sign up to our newsletter at downtimepodcast.com forward slash newsletter. That's it for today. We're going to have another awesome episode coming up really soon. But until next time, get out and ride. <laughs>